Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast, or welcome if you are new. My name is Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian. I'm also the host of this podcast, which I created to answer your nutrition, wellness, fitness questions in a non-diet culture way, because there is so much information out there that is written with diet culture and these topics. And I feel it's only fair to have an opposite viewpoint so that you can make an informed decision about how you want to incorporate something into your life and how you want to view it. So today's topic is one I am extremely excited about. Talking about how much exercise is too much exercise has been coming up very often as a request in my DMs and also in our website submissions but I really wanted to take the time to make this episode extremely informational to share exercise in a different light and talk about over-exercise, how much is truly healthy, allow you to evaluate your relationship to exercise, discuss how exercise can be used as a coping mechanism in a helpful way and in a harmful way, and so much more. This is a very actionable and information-loaded episode But I feel like that's what we need with these type of topics because everyone has heard so much around exercise that it can be really hard to sift through what is true for you. And that's really what I hope that you can take away. So we'll jump into the episode in a quick second, but I did want to say... I have been loving getting your guys' feedback on Spotify. If you listen to podcasts on Spotify, they've implemented questions in areas that I can ask for polls, and it's been really cool. So if you do listen on there, look out for those polls to interact with. And I always love hearing your feedback and getting your episode submissions. As I mentioned, you can DM me, but we also have been getting a lot, which makes me super happy through our website section, and that's always linked in the show notes along with my Instagram, my programs, Live Unrestricted is in there. And actually, now that I think about it, Live Unrestricted is already halfway full for our May round. So if you are interested, I would highly, highly suggest applying If you resonate with feeling like you may be exercising too much, which you'll be able to figure out through this episode, that's a great program for you. And my program LUP, which is Love Unrestricted for Practitioners, the enrollment is closing within the next week or so. So if you want to do that, let me know. It could be even sooner because we're already at 70% capacity. So really excited for all of those amazing things coming up. But I don't want to take too much time doing announcements. I want to dive right into it and talk about how much exercise is too much. So let's start off by saying I think it's safe to say that exercise is pretty good for us, right? Yes, health science has been wrong before, but overall, physical movement has been strongly proven to offer a host of health benefits. But the thing is, if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably already knew that. You could probably spout out all the different benefits that you've heard from exercise that are both physical and mental and physiological. But I don't think I need to be convincing you to exercise more that exercise is good for you. Because if you've sought out this podcast, diet culture to some extent likely has a grip on you or kind of plagues your mind when you're thinking about exercise. 
And it may be playing a bigger role in your life than it actually needs to, or you may be trying to evaluate if it's playing a healthy role in your life. That's exactly why today we're going to be discussing everything in terms of evaluating your current relationship to exercise and then also knowing if you've been exercising too much. So in a 2022 Wall Street Journal article, nutrition and exercise professionals spoke on the issues related to overexercising. Brett L, it's E-L-Y. I am so bad at pronouncing things, pronouncing, I don't even think I pronounce, 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 I don't think I pronounce. (laughs) Oh my gosh. These are the things that I leave in the episode because I don't want it to feel like I'm just having everything hit to the perfect, set in the perfect way. Like I'm not the journal. I'm, I'm just a girl doing a podcast. Anyways, let's get back to it. I can't pronounce Brett's last name. I'm sorry I couldn't find how to pronounce it somewhere else. Anyways, he's an assistant nutrition and science exercise professor at Salem University, and he described exercise as strategically applied trauma, which I just love that wording because honestly, it makes so much sense when you think about what exercise is doing for your body. Exercise creates metabolic stress within the body and it results in an inflammatory response to repair trauma that is done to the muscles in the skeletal system. And I know what you may be thinking. Okay, Mallory, I always thought that trauma and inflammation were bad. And I thought stress even to an extent was bad. But whenever we talk about these things and really most things in life, it's all on a scale. And there are certain places on the scale that are too little. Like if we had no stress in our life, that wouldn't be good. We wouldn't be motivated to take action on anything. If we have complete stress that's overtaking us, that's also not good, right? So we're really thinking about where do I land on this scale? And exercise also taxes the central nervous system as well. So in order to make sure that those inflammatory processes heal and that the CNS is able to operate at full capacity, which CNS is central nervous system, you have to let yourself rest. According to Christopher Minson, a cardiovascular physiologist at the University of Oregon, if you don't allow the inflammatory process time to take its course, the inflammation can become chronic. This results in the immune system being disrupted and the adaptation process of exercise is no longer taking place. Without the appropriate adaptation response, the body is constantly being broken down without being built back up. To explain this simplistically, exercise stresses the body and the nervous system. It creates an inflammatory response to repair those things. In order to have that repair run its course, you have to have rest. If you don't have rest, then the inflammation can become chronic, which is very harmful to us, and the immune system gets disrupted, and also the positive pieces of exercise, that adaptation process, is no longer happening. So then the body is just constantly being broken down, and it's not being built back up. And then from there, this can cause the negatives of overexercising, such as fatigue, insomnia, irritability, and stress fractures. Something that I feel is really important to remember with this is that these risks and health implications associated with too much exercise can happen to anybody. These don't discriminate based off of 
any specific factors. If you are engaging in too much exercise and not enough rest, you can deal with these implications. Now, that being said, there are individuals that we see deal with these the most often, and those that are struggling with compulsive exercise are at the top of that list. Compulsive exercise could also be called excessive exercise or obligatory exercise, but regardless, it's described as a significant amount of physical activity combined with a compulsive need to do the activity. And most often when we're speaking about this type of exercise, individuals are engaging in a moderate to vigorous cardiovascular exercise or resistance training or both. Now, There are specific people that we also see most often engaging in compulsive exercise, and a lot of those people struggle with disordered eating. So the issues with exercise may stem from body, weight, food, or something else that affects their relationship to food and themselves. So for example, Yes, many people that are dealing with disordered eating also deal with exercise struggles, but also many of those people are simultaneously dealing with OCD or autism or a perfectionistic mindset or extreme anxiety or struggles with rigidity and flexibility. And so all of those elements of mental health also can come into play and affect someone's basically disposition towards exercise. When we think about these people and why they're using exercise compulsively, it's typically to compensate for something. It could be a meal that they ate or plan to eat, a food that they had that they don't think they should have. It could be emotions that they don't feel equipped to deal with. It could be body image struggles that they're feeling really overtaking them. It could be that they don't feel like they're good enough that day and they can utilize exercise to make them feel like they're being successful. It could be that it's way too high up on their list of coping mechanisms. And we'll get more in depth into many of these things later. But what's really important to remember is that compulsive exercise is not just the typical image that you may think of where it's like you absolutely can never stop yourself from moving or it's hours a day. This is talking about anyone that feels like they are sticking to an extremely strict schedule where they cannot let themselves have days off, where they are not resting enough. And this doesn't just happen to people that are struggling with disordered eating. It also is important to note that this can actually happen during ED or disordered eating recovery because many people increase food intake during their recovery or change food intake and then start to utilize exercise and they say most often that it is to help with mental health, which it could be to an extent, but very quickly this can also become either too heavily relied on as a coping mechanism or still a subconscious compensation mechanism, and that can easily turn into another disorder. Now, as I read through this, I feel like my athlete-minded people are sitting here thinking, okay, well, if this is true, then I have had compulsive exercise or I've been over-exercising because, trust me, we were working out all the time and in the specific way. And I do think that pushing athletes to overexercise is an issue that we see 
within the sports field. I will say that I think that this is more prevalent at lower levels such as high school or even colleges that don't have a ton of support or really well-versed teams that know how to create a program that is appropriate for athletes. So this is an issue that comes up where athletes are being pushed to exercise too much, even if it's not compulsive on their end, or we see the issues where athletes are over-exercising or exercising even outside of their plan and therefore pushing themselves into this. But something that's really important to remember is that at high levels of sports programs and for athletes, whether it be at a collegiate level, a NBA, or I don't know why I said NBA, (laughs) I just mean as a professional level, or for professional runners or whoever it may be, the way that their training programs are set up is extremely specific. Before my life as a dietitian working on food freedom, I was a personal trainer and I also worked as a dietitian, obviously, or I was a dietetic intern at multiple different athletic facilities, one of which being Exos. And I had the ability to work and help to train the professional level athletes and to build out programs that were appropriate for them. And the amount of effort and time that goes into ensuring that We are fatiguing the correct muscle groups at the right times, that intensity isn't going above a certain threshold, that these athletes are not over-exercising outside of these programs to ensure that they're not getting overtaxed is pretty in-depth. And so I just bring this up because I think it's important to recognize that we're not all athletes. (laughs) And we're not all meant to train like athletes, and we also don't all have programs like athletes. But then even during the times, like let's say, for example, March Madness, right? That is probably a time where some of these guys are overtaxed. They're really getting into a place in their body where it's probably not recovering quite the same. They are in an environment that allows for so much recovery. You know, they're doing ice baths, they're getting compression boots, they're getting all the nutrition that they need to be able to sustain themselves. They are set up in a different environment, and you have to remember where you are at. And I know this is hard for a lot of people that were past athletes before and adjusting to the idea that they're not living their whole life as an athlete anymore. Movement can't continue to look like that and ultimately be super healthy for you because you don't have the same support and that same need to do that. Now, I'm not saying that not everyone can be an athlete. I think we can all be athletes in our own extent, but the level of which we take that is different for each person. I feel like I had to say that because I am thinking about high school me listening to this podcast and I would have been like, "Mm, well, think about what I would have had this whole refute. I'm not sure why I decided to do that sound, but we're going to move on and go back into compulsive exercise in the realm of eating disorders. So according to the Eating Recovery Center, compulsive exercise is often done to regulate mood and compensate for food intake, like we talked about earlier. It's common for compulsive exercisers to believe that their exercise is not worth engaging in if they are not breathing heavily or sweating significantly And it can often lead to increased feelings in anxiety, depression, irritability, and distress if the individuals find themselves unable to exercise or even unable to exercise in the way they want, which I think that piece is important for everyone to think about. Whether you're identifying with compulsive exercise or not, 
Do you always push yourself to have to be sweating to a certain extent, breathing to a certain extent, fatigued to a certain extent in order for the movement to feel worth it? And then if you aren't able to do that movement in that way or have to take a rest, how do you feel on those days or afterwards? Now, if you're listening to this so far and you're asking yourself, hmm, am I dealing with compulsive exercise? Here are some signs and symptoms. Number one, exercise significantly interferes with important activities, occurs at inappropriate times or settings, or when the individual continues to exercise despite injuries or illness. The first thing that came to my mind when I was reading through this is how often I have clients to tell me they have to exercise on vacation even if it doesn't make sense and or clients that tell me they found themselves sneaking exercise in their room or in other areas or feeling this guilt about doing it. Number two, intense anxiety, depression, irritability, feelings of guilt and or distress if unable to exercise maintains excessive rigid exercise regime despite weather, fatigue, illness, or injury. Number four, discomfort with rest or inactivity. Number five, exercise used to manage emotion. Number six, exercise as means of purging, needing to get rid of or burn off calories. I know that purging, we most often think about someone expelling things through throwing up, but purging is multiple different things. It's not just that, and exercise is a big one that comes into play. Number seven, if I remember the numbers right, exercise is a permission to eat. Number eight, exercise that is secretive or hidden. Number nine, feeling as though you are not good enough, fast enough, or pushing hard enough during a period of exercise, overtraining. And number 10, withdrawal from friends and family. Now, if you don't resonate with this, that's completely fine. We're going to go over more just generally signs that you may need to work on your relationship with exercise, but I do think it's important to distinguish between compulsive and just kind of normal, quote-unquote, unhealthy relationship with exercise. And I also want to speak to what compulsive exercise can lead to, because when you have a lack of rest and are compulsively exercising, This can lead to overtraining syndrome, and overtraining syndrome has some very serious symptoms or problems that come up from it, which include bone density lost, osteopenia or osteoporosis, loss of menstrual cycle, also known as amenorrhea in women, the female athlete triad in women, relative energy deficiency in sport, this is red S, Persistent muscle soreness, chronic bone and joint pain, increased incident of injury, persistent fatigue and sluggishness, altered resting heart rate, and increased frequency of illness and upper respiratory infections. This is so important to remember because so often what I encounter with my clients is that they cannot reason with the fact that exercise really may be harming them, not even just mentally, but physically. And I want you guys to know that these these symptoms, these problems that can come up from exercise are just as real as the benefits that can come up. And if you're pushing yourself into this place of overtraining and not resting, exercise is generally harming your body. And 
You have to remember this when trying to work on compulsive exercise because it will keep you grounded the, in the idea that you truly do need to do this to work on your health. Now that we've talked about more of the compulsive exercise piece, I want to discuss more about how exercise can be used as a maladaptive coping mechanism. Now, this is especially true within disordered eating and eating disorders, but I honestly think that this spans so many more people than just that because maladaptive coping refers to coping strategies that are ineffective, harmful, avoidant, or counterproductive in dealing with adversity. In maladaptive coping mechanisms, they often increase stress and emotional distress and usually have negative health outcomes such as physical health problems, mental disorders, or generally not feeling like you can work through an issue because maladaptive coping mechanisms, they provide temporary relief from an extreme stress, but they don't address the stressor itself. In Live Unrestricted, I have this really great slide on one of our calls that talks about maladaptive coping mechanisms and how they're developed. And there are two different ways that they can come about. It can come about from a specific triggering event that then leads to a pattern of using a coping mechanism in that way that's actually harmful. And it can also come about from having a general level of stress that's so high over such a long period of time that you become so fatigued and almost run out of coping mechanisms that you can use and therefore start using maladaptive ones. So you may be asking, how does exercise end up being a maladaptive coping mechanism? Well, to state it simply, it's used to deal with difficult feelings, but in actuality, it's not helping you to work through them. So it's essentially a way of avoiding painful feelings and it can serve as a distraction during and then after you experience that endorphin high from exercise. So let's say, for example, you are having a bad day with your body image or your appearance. So instead of sitting with or thinking about why that's coming up and how it's affecting you and kind of the cycle that has created those poor feelings about your body and food, you decide that you're just going to go work out because it always helps you to feel better on those days and improves your mental health and just you walk away feeling like you're able to deal with it better. But at the end of the day, you are not actually working through those emotions by going to exercise through them. You're just ignoring them. And then after the fact, they're still there. They've just been temporarily relieved until the next time that you have those same feelings come up and you repeat the same cycle. And you repeating that same cycle over and over and over again, not only reaffirms the limiting beliefs and negative mindsets around yourself and your body. It also creates a tie between body image and exercise that you have to break. And it overall is, is harming your mental health because you're not able to utilize more positive ways of coping and addressing those emotions. Now, this can also happen when you are just generally having feelings that have nothing to do with your body or food or exercise, but are unpleasant. And I don't think 
enough people recognize that even if you're not doing compulsive exercise or struggling with disordered eating, you may be struggling with this because so many people say things like, yeah, exercise is my therapy or I can only work through my problems if I'm exercising. And that rhetoric is extremely problematic because that is not a healthy way to cope with things. Just in the same way that I was mentioning with body image, we have to be able to have other things that we can apply and use when we're struggling emotionally in order to protect ourselves and to be able to actually start to change these patterns and emotions that we're dealing with. So I feel like that's a very important thing to ask yourself and to evaluate. I am in no way saying that exercise cannot be a part of your toolkit for your mental health. It 1000% can. And again, I'm also not arguing with the fact that there are very clear mental health benefits that come with exercise. That is true. But is it really ever healthy to rely completely on something for our mental health? No, right? You should never rely completely on just one person for your health and happiness. You should never completely rely on one tool because that could be way too easily disrupted. And although we never want something like this to happen, it's important to ask yourself a question like, what if something happened and I couldn't exercise? What would I be able to utilize to get through challenging feelings and emotions? Women, if you want to ever get pregnant, there are periods of time where you cannot exercise and you're going to be in an extremely overwhelming time in your life. How are you going to cope with that? Do you have other tools or is it going to be extremely disruptive to how you feel? One of my favorite questions to ask my clients is think about another coping mechanism, hobby, thing that gives you joy, way that you work through emotions that you utilize. First of all, if you can't think of another one, that's our first sign that we need to work on it. Second of all, if you can pick one, let's say meditation. That's something that I utilize. Not everyone has to. Something that I utilize though. Ask yourself, would I be equally as uncomfortable removing meditation from my lifestyle for a week as I would be removing exercise. Why or why not? Because technically, if you truly believe that you're using exercise for your mental health, and you also know, because this is very well proven by science, that not only are extended periods of rest helpful for us in general, they are definitely not harmful for us. They do not affect your body in a negative way. If anything, it is completely a positive if you were asked to take a week off of exercise. It won't do anything to harm you, right? So if you know those things to be true, then what is there underneath that fear? And that gives you a huge answer to the question of, am I actually only exercising for my mental health? And again, I'm not negating the fact that exercise has physical benefits. But when we're talking about taking a week off, which I think every single person should be able to do, and knowing that by taking that week off, it doesn't harm you physically, then what is the reasoning? And that's a super important thing to go through with yourself. So with all of this being said, 
we're kind of describing how much exercise is too much exercise. But at the same time, how the heck do you know if your relationship with exercise is healthy? Because tons of you listening may not identify with compulsive exercise. And that is an amazing thing because we do not want you to be dealing with that. But just because you aren't doesn't mean there's not something to address when it comes to your relationship with exercise. So here are some things that I want you to think about in order to assess where you're at. Number one, type and frequency. Do both the type and frequency of which I exercise bring me joy emotionally? If not, why not? If it does not bring you joy, why do you continue to engage in it? If there's another type of exercise that you enjoy more, why aren't you doing it? And also, is there another type of exercise you enjoy more? Have you even explored other types of exercise? Why are you making the choice to engage in this one specific type if you're not enjoying it? Are you willing to decrease the amount of exercise to feel more joyful? This kind of coincides with another question that I typically ask, which is, if I told you that reducing or changing the way that you exercise would lead to you being happier and healthier, would you do it? If yes, why? If no, why not? Now, number two, type and frequency again. Does both the type and frequency make me feel good physically? So we need to ask ourselves, is this actually too tiring? Is it draining me? Is it taking my energy away from being fully present in other areas of my life? Number three, is this fulfilling in some way? Four, is my exercise scheduling flexible? Not only just the amount of days that you do it or the type that you do it, but Are you having to shape your entire life around exercise? Number five, do I ever feel concerned or stressed out if I am not exercising what I deem to be enough, quote unquote? Number six, do I turn down other things in my life, socializing, household priorities, necessary appointments, schoolwork, whatever it may be, for exercise. Number seven is the idea of stopping all exercise for a week or a month distressing to you. Eight, would you be willing to decrease the amount you're currently exercised if another life priority came up without you being upset? Number nine, if you had to change the type of exercise you engage in, would it be upsetting to you? And then number 10, if you became sick or injured, are you able to stop exercising until you recover without it being distressing to you? And I also think that it's important to ask yourself, do I just end up trying to start exercising the second I feel a little bit better? Because that's not really taking a break. Like if you, for example, the other week I had a cold on, it started on Saturday, went till like Monday, already felt better by Tuesday and I still took the rest of the week off because I just really felt like my body needed that support. Now, I'm not saying you need to do what I do, but I'm trying to give you an example of I didn't just start moving on Tuesday because I felt a little bit better. I allowed my body to fully, fully rest. Now, I'm thinking about my past self and also my clients as I go through this list because there were so many things on this list that ultimately 
deep down I knew were problematic, right? If I actually thought about how exercise made me feel physically and emotionally, and if it was flexible and all of that stuff, I knew deep down that the answer was no, but I was still trying so hard to convince myself that I was the exception and that even though some of these things were true, that it didn't mean I had an unhealthy relationship with movement and it didn't mean that it was negatively affecting food or body image and that I was able to even go through recovery and utilize these things still. And I promise you guys, in the same way that I share that no one is the exception to healing, there's a whole section of this on my Live Unrestricted information page if you want to read it. The same thing is true of the fact that you're not an exception to these questions. We are so much more similar than we think, although yes, we are all diverse. The fact that so many of us think we're the exception disproves the idea in itself that we are the exception. So please try to really sit with these and ask yourself the hard questions about if these resonate with you and how they reflect on your relationship with exercise and movement. Now, some of those questions feel a little bit more intangible and also they don't necessarily speak to some of the elements that could come up around exercise that we don't even think are typically contributing to an unhealthy relationship. So I wanted to share these signs that if you are doing this, it shows that you're exercising too much or that your relationship to exercise right now needs some work. So let's go through it. Number one, you have chronic or nagging injuries. Most people that have a stress fracture, they are exercising too much and in a way that is not beneficial to them, but it's not even just stress fractures. It's just overall pain that you have in your body that feels super consistent related to exercise. Number two, your exercise changes based off of what you ate, also what you didn't eat, or specific types of food, amounts of food. All of that is covered within that. Number three, you're feeling weaker. When we think about going to the gym or doing movement, of course, our energy levels and strength is going to ebb and flow, especially for women, depending on the time of the cycle that you're in. But overall, we typically like to think that when you go to the gym, you at least feel strong and don't feel like you're getting weaker or staying at the same place for a really long amount of time. So if you're noticing that, that's a bad sign. Number four, even on days you want to rest, you don't. And when I say want to rest, this could be mentally that you want to rest, physically that you want to rest, or situation that you want to rest. So what I mean situationally is let's say you're on a vacation. It really doesn't make sense for you to exercise, but you're squeezing it in. Number five, exercise feels harder than normal. So when you go to the gym, it feels like even doing the same thing requires more exertion than before. And again, keep in mind the cycle changes that can come up or just generally the fact that our energy levels change. But overall, you should feel this pretty consistently that there are days where it feels even harder. Number six, your body feels heavy in the day-to-day. Oh my gosh, guys, can I tell you that I have one of the most distinct memories of this. 
I feel like I've told this story before, but I honestly do not remember where I told it. So forgive me if you've heard it before. I remember my freshman year of college when I was really struggling with obsessive exercise to the highest extent that I ever had, but also disordered eating and body image struggles. And there was this day, because I always went to exercise at this specific time, and then I was going into my chem lab, and it was on the fifth floor of this building. And I was going up the stairs, and there were all of these people passing me on the left side as I was walking up. And I physically could not make myself go any faster. I felt like my body was a million pound weight that I was trying to thrust up these stairs. And in that moment, I thought to myself, I'm doing all of this because I think that it makes me so fit and so healthy. And yet I can't even do day-to-day activities in a normal way. So that's an example. But there are so many other ones I have with that body-heavy type of feeling. Number eight, you get sick often or don't feel well often. Again, back to the beginning of this conversation, when you are in a prolonged inflammation period, it affects your immune system and you cannot stay well as often, which is funny again because we're doing this quote unquote to be healthy and yet it's making us sick. Number nine, you feel bad when you can't exercise. This one's really important too because I'm, again, not saying that if you like exercise and you have a day where you can't end up doing it, that you can't be a little bummed or like, oh, shoot, I wanted to be able to do that today. But feeling bad, having a bad day just because you don't exercise shows an over-reliance to it. Number 10, I think, (laughs) you have to stick to your schedule, days, times, types, or you always have to do a little bit extra, push yourself that extra mile or bit when you're in the gym. 11, you need it to feel good. It feels like a high that you're chasing. Again, important to note the nuance here. You need it to feel good. Yes, exercise can release endorphins. A lot of things can release endorphins, right? Going out to eat with people that we love and eating foods that are really joyful can release endorphins. But if we have to do that, we cannot feel good without it. That is not a good sign. Number 12, you're tired, but you can't sleep. Number 13, you prioritize the gym over other events. And number 15, you organize your day around exercise. So all of these questions and situations will help you to assess whether or not your exercise habits are joyful, as well as your mentality and rigidity around your relationship with exercise. The mental rigidity around exercise is often what causes us to begin over-exercising or to develop a relationship with exercise that isn't positively serving us. And many of those times, this is influenced by diet culture because we see these rules and expectations from people and we expect ourselves to meet those in order to be quote-unquote healthy or to have the body we want or whatever else it may be. Ideally, we want to be at a place where we're fitting exercise into our lives but not building our lives around exercise 
And we want to be in genuinely enjoying our form of exercise. I know so many people that come to me that say, I've never enjoyed exercise. I'm never going to enjoy exercise. I've tried different things. But then by the time that we get to the end of Live Unrestricted, they feel like, they actually are. And there's these things about exercise that they enjoy and they notice that the reason why they weren't enjoying it was because of their mindset itself. There are so many options out there to choose for exercise and why would we choose one that doesn't bring us joy? So let's just say you sat down and you assess your current relationship with exercise and you discover that, oh crap, my exercise relationship is kind of problematic. Now what the heck do you do? So first things first, if you're over-exercising, the best thing that you can do for yourself right now is just to take some extended rest. If this isn't distressing to you, that's awesome. That's a really, really good sign, and it shows that I would argue you're in a pretty good place. You'll want to take probably one to two weeks off of exercise, maybe even longer to really know if you feel like you need it. But try to think about how you can incorporate more frequent rest periods into your normal routine. I strongly believe that every single person should be able to take like one to three plus full weeks off of exercise throughout a year. I really do think that it's good for us. So just keep that in mind. Now, if you discover that your mental relationship with exercise is a bit compulsive, Definitely the best thing that you can do for yourself is take a step back from exercise and not even just for a week or two, for multiple weeks or months. Now, this can be super hard if you're experiencing any sort of mental rigidity around your current exercise habits, and especially if you are using this as a main coping mechanism. But if taking a step back from exercise is distressing to think about or to do, then that shows how important it is for you to do. Not even just physically, because you're likely teetering on or fully in overtraining and overstressing your body and not treating yourself in a way that's truly healthy, but you're also really affecting your emotions and mental state through this. So, I know that as I go through both of those suggestions, you may be thinking, this is crazy. This is so unrealistic. There's no way that I can take a break. I need more of a step-by-step approach. And I get that. I know that it's really hard to go from zero to 100 or to quit cold turkey, but definitely at least start to prioritize taking steps to improve your relationship with exercise. There's so many ways that you can do this. Take an extra rest day increase the rest days that you take, alter the amount of time that you are moving, change the type of movement types that you're doing, incorporate more low intensity exercise, remove excess movement. So, so many of you guys listening to this are probably thinking, oh, well, I'll remove my exercise, but I'll walk. No, 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 no. Mocking is still exercise. So if you replace your hour of exercise with an hour of walking, that's still exercise. So that doesn't count right? So removing the excess. I know some people live in walkable cities. I'm not saying that you can never walk. I'm just saying you guys know deep down when you're engaging in a walk or prolonging a walk just for a different reason or only using it as a coping skill. So the more that you can implement these type of changes and at the same time introduce new coping strategies, hobbies, things that bring you joy outside of exercise, 
the better your relationship with it will be and the sooner that you can get back to really being intuitive with it and enjoying it to the highest extent, which will also lead you to being your healthiest mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. Now, I know as I say this, you may be thinking to yourself, wait, but isn't exercise important? Don't I need to do it for my physical health? Wouldn't it be unhealthy for me to take a week, two weeks, a month, multiple months off of exercise, a year? Here's the thing. My answer to that is yes. Exercise has a lot of physical and mental health benefits. But if your relationship with exercise is at a place where you cannot step away without becoming distressed, then it is unhealthy to be doing that with exercise. In this scenario, you are prioritizing your mental health and also your physical health to reestablish a more balanced relationship with exercise so that you can get back to using it in a way that actually brings about those physical and mental health benefits. Right now, in the space that you're at, you're not fully doing that. That's just the truth. And depending on how severe you were on that scale, it may take a week or two to get back to that, or it may take months to get back to that. Treat this time period as if you are recovering from an injury. You can't return to exercise in one day. You need to allow yourself time to fully heal, but you also need to let your mind heal too. I've talked about the injury analogy on here. I talk about it extensively in my group coaching program, Live Unrestricted, but I think you guys probably get the gist of the idea of it. You know, if you tear your ACL, you don't just go back to exercising the day after, and you're also doing everything you can to heal that exercise. You're not going to go out and practice like your other teammates that aren't injured. This episode was one that is very, is one that's very information packed. So I hope that it still felt digestible as you went through it and that you feel like you have some increased clarity around where you're at with your relationship to movement and exercise and how it could be affecting you. I also hope you see that I am genuinely not in any way trying to say that I am disagreeing with the benefits of exercise for physical and mental health. I feel like I've made that clear, but I just want to make sure I really drive that point home. Again, the reason why I don't think it's necessary to go over that in this podcast is because I guarantee if you clicked on this, you guys all know it. And that information, you could Google it and get millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of results. Like, it's not a secret. But we don't hear about this other side. And I really hope that this provides a perspective of not only where you're at, but then also, are you actually doing these things in a healthy way? Or are you tricking yourself to think that they are? Again, this is an episode that doesn't really have a ranking from 1 to 10. We could kind of put on a scale where compulsive exercise would be versus general unhealthy relationship with exercise and healthy one, but I don't think that it's necessary because I don't want you to feel like you're put on a scale based off of what you resonate with. I am very curious to see what you feel like you do resonate with as I go through this. And I will say, if you feel like you are dealing with compulsive exercise or struggling with your relationship to movement or whatever it may be, just even exploring this, Live Unrestricted is such an amazing place for you. Honestly, I've never found a program out there that really talks about how to utilize exercise in a way that leads to full healing. Most people kind of skip over it or allow people to still utilize it. And 
don't even address how it can continue to perpetuate you not feeling good in general. And we take a very, very specific and personalized approach and know that you can't always just go cold turkey or take months off. And we guide you through that process in a way that feels really doable. And we help you to understand if the relationship that you have with exercise is healthy, because maybe it already is. And that's okay too, right? So would highly suggest applying if this resonates with you, especially if you resonated with the coping mechanisms part and are feeling really stuck on how to work through that. That's a big piece of what we talk about as well, even just in general with disordered eating and body image. So thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate feedback. If you want to rate and review the podcast, if you want to send me the thoughts that you had on it or anything else that comes up. Oh, my voice was going for a second. I appreciate you guys endlessly. I hope to see you back here or hear you back here or listening back here. I don't know what the right terminology would be next week. Bye guys.